Hello and welcome to the Bright Morning Podcast. I'm Elena Aguilar. So friends, this is the final week of our podcast break, where we have been replaying some favorite episodes from the last year. And next week, we will be back with new content. I am super excited about this content we've got coming for you. And I am going to be pouring all of my love for the art of coaching into our monthly workshop on the art of coaching. And so if you have never attended our art of coaching workshop, then I would love for you to have that experience. Check out the show notes to learn more about that workshop and join me in February for it. I'm super fired up to talk about coaching right now. And I mean, I have been for like 15 years, so this is nothing new, but I I would love to see you there. All right, enjoy this episode and I will be back next week. So friends, I have learned how to eliminate resistance from my coaching relationships. And today I'm going to share with you a five-step process that when done with fidelity will eliminate resistance from your coaching relationships. And this is the first in a three-part mini-series. And though I'm talking about coaching conversations right now, you can use this same approach in any relationship. So this is an episode you won't want to miss. And again, know that this is the first in a three-part series. In week two, you'll hear a conversation that I had with my teammate, Nick Keynes, about how to prepare to coach resistance. And in week three, you'll hear me demonstrate how to coach resistance. But before I jump in, I want to first extend a heartfelt thank you to our listener with the username Allegra Lorraine, who wrote, re-listening to What to Say When You Hear Something Racist series was so impactful. I recently shared the series with a group of teachers I'm supporting, and it has been such a great connecting and learning experience for everyone involved. We are using this series as a springboard to create shared language to use when we hear students using dehumanizing language on campus. Thank you so much for this rich and accessible learning opportunity. Allegra Lorraine, thank you so much for taking the time to rate and review the podcast. And doing that, leaving a review, is super easy, and it's free, and it's a great way to support the show. Thank you also for sharing the impact of the What to Say When series. And for anyone who's interested, in the show notes, you will find a link to sign up to get the free listening guide for that series. Okay, let's talk about resistance. It is the topic I get the most coaching questions about. So I'm guessing you've dealt with it or perhaps you are dealing with it right now. This might look like resistance to trying a new strategy with students or to exploring a belief or mindset or even just to meeting with you. This is a topic that I am intimately familiar with. When I first started coaching teachers, I encountered resistance all the time. I thought that probably three quarters of the teachers in the school where I was coaching were resistant. I saw teachers shut down suggestions I made left and right. I saw them dismiss every idea I put forward. 
They walked out of sessions with me, slamming the door. I saw resistance everywhere. And as I saw more and more resistance, I became more committed to battling that resistance. So I'd go off to trainings or I'd talk to other coaches and I felt like I was constantly looking for new tools. But what I really want to say is I was constantly looking for new weapons to help me fight the resistance because I was like, okay, you're going to treat me like that. Wait until you see what I bring in. I remember there was this one teacher who I was going to meet with and she had these big windows into her classroom and I saw her turn off the lights and hide behind her desk at the time when we were supposed to meet. I saw that and I went charging down to the principal's office and I was like, how am I supposed to coach these teachers if they won't even meet with me? I acquired more and more strategies to fight their resistance. I amassed data and I presented all kinds of graphics to show these teachers how bad they were and to try to use that as a way to force them to engage in coaching with me. This makes no sense now, as I'm telling you. And as you can probably predict, my battle with resistance did not result in teachers being like, oh yeah, Lena, actually, you've got a great point. I'm going to take your advice. Yes. No, it didn't. It made them get more and more defensive, more and more resistant. It was not a good situation. And ultimately, I did not help very many kids or adults in that school. Hope that hearing this story makes you feel less alone if you are facing resistance. I hope that this helps you understand that my current reality of not experiencing resistance isn't due to magic or some innate ability. It is the result of a lot of reflection and learning. I learned what resistance is and I acquired skills to respond to it. And I hope that by sharing what I now know and do with you, I can speed up that same process for you. So in this episode, I'm going to share a lot of details and tips and sentence stems, but listen carefully to what I'm saying right now, because I'm going to share a fundamental truth that you need to embrace and internalize if you want to eliminate resistance. Here it is. The key to instantly dissolving resistance is to shift how you understand and label what you perceive as resistant behavior. Everything I'm going to teach you in this episode relies on your acceptance of this truth. At its core, my approach relies on you changing how you see and respond to behaviors that might be emotionally activating for you and that you label resistance. Doing this requires two things. First, it requires you to shift your mental model and how you interpret behaviors you categorize as resistant. You have to shift your thinking. And second, you have to slow down. You need to rein in your inclination to take immediate action to what you perceive as resistance. That's probably to jump in, to react. And instead, you've got to take the five steps that I'm going to explain to you in just a moment. 
Okay, so let me make this clear. First, you got to change your mental model. If you want to eliminate resistance, you need to change how you interpret and label the behaviors you experience. When you say someone is resistant, you've come to a conclusion about their behavior. If you see their behavior differently, if you come to a different conclusion, that can open up a whole lot of actions you can take. But if you only see their behavior as resistance, you are likely to respond with force. Now, this is physics. I want you to imagine you put up a hand and someone else is pushing on it. Now you are encountering resistance, but you're only encountering resistance because you are pushing back. That's why you feel resistance. If you remove your hand, if you just drop your hand, then there is no resistance. The resistance does not exist. This strategy is to shift your mental model, shift the conclusion that you come to. Okay, so drum roll, please. Here is the big thing you need to know about resistance. Resistance is fear. That's really all it is. That's what it is at its core. Resistance is an expression of fear. When human beings are afraid, we fight, we flee, we freeze, or we appease. And you've probably heard that before. Those expressions of fear can appear as resistance. That fighting, the fleeing, the freezing, the appeasing. When you encounter the behaviors that you label as resistance, you are encountering fear. So now I want to talk to you about fear. Because understanding these root fears that show up as resistance is invaluable in helping you respond to behavior. Now, if you heard last week's episode about how to start off the new year, then you heard me talk about six core human needs. And this knowledge is essential to respond to resistance. So these six human needs are, first, the need for belonging, relatedness, or connectedness. Pretty self-explanatory. We want and need to feel connection. We have to feel like we've got our people. We've got our communities. The second core human need is the need for autonomy, to have a sense of control in our life, to feel like we have a say in what happens, to feel like we have agency, to feel like we can act on our agency. The third core human need is the need for mastery or competence. We need to feel like we can do things well. The fourth core human need is the need for genuine self-esteem. Now, genuine self-esteem is not dependent on achievement, attainment, acquisition, or valuation by other people. Genuine self-esteem comes from a deep sense of worthiness. The fifth core human need is the need for trust, which the psychologists explain is really trust in ourselves. It's having a sense of being able to access the personal and social resources that we need to sustain ourselves in life. And number six, the final core human need is the need for purpose, meaning, or 
transcendence. And this could be something that's overtly spiritual, or it could simply be the need for feeling like a connection to human beings and maybe a cause, like the need to feel like you can, you're you connected to improving the lives of students, or it could also mean to feel like you're connected to nature. If you want to hear me describe those in more depth and tell you how you can use those to set yourself up to have a great year, then check out episode 146. Here's the key thing to understand. When we are afraid, it's often because these core human needs feel like they are being threatened, one or more of them. Or one or more of those core human needs feels like it's being undermined. So I want you to take a moment right now to think about a time at work when you felt resistant to something or to someone and consider which of your core human needs might have felt threatened. Maybe it was your need for autonomy or to feel competent or to feel a sense of belonging. If you want to stop dealing with resistance, you have to first see those behaviors as an expression of fear, and then you have to slow down and again resist the inclination to take immediate action. Once you've adopted this schema, then you are ready to learn the five steps I'm going to share with you to use when the behavior that you're encountering might be challenging or emotionally activating. So let me tell you what they are, and then I'm going to unpack them. The first three steps to take all happen inside of you. And I want to remind you that two-thirds of your success as a transformational coach is contingent upon what happens inside of you. It's contingent upon the work you do on yourself. That's something that I talked about in episode 143, if you want to hear more about that idea. Okay, so these three steps are, first, you have to explore your own fear. Second, you have to activate your compassion. And third, you have to activate your curiosity. These three steps are about your way of being and your beliefs. So once you've engaged in some of that reflection, and let me just be clear, that is an ongoing, never-ending process, then you can take step four, which is stay in relationship. And I'll explain that in just a moment. And then step five, which is use the ACE framework to coach emotions. And I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. So really, there is so much more to say about each of these five steps. And in next week's episode, I'm really going to dig into the first three, exploring your fear, activating your compassion, and activating your curiosity. And I'll be doing that in a conversation with my teammate, Nick Keynes. But let me tell you a little bit about those steps now. Let me give you an overview. Okay, step one, explore your fear. When you perceive resistance in someone else, which of your fears are activated? Which of your core human needs feels threatened? In this step, you have to turn to your fear and ask it 
what it wants to tell you. You need to explore that fear. Step two is to activate your compassion. And you can do that by asking yourself, when have I felt afraid? When have I feared that my core human needs wouldn't be met? What helped me in those moments? Activate compassion for yourself also if you are feeling any fear in response to someone else's fear. And then activate compassion for the other person. So step three is activate your curiosity. Curiosity comes from compassion. You can't actually have true curiosity unless you also have compassion. And in that step, you'll ask yourself, what do you think is going on for the other person? This person who is demonstrating fear. Try to imagine being in their shoes. What do you think they might be feeling? What do you think they want from you? How might you be able to find out what they want? That's step three. So step one, explore your own fear. Step two, activate your compassion. And step three, activate your curiosity. Now, you might be wondering, is this something you do in the moment when you witness resistance in the staff lunchroom or in the hallway? Or is this something you do later when you're reflecting on it? The answer really is you do both. So once you develop the skills to respond to resistance, which is fear, you might not need as much reflection or planning time in order to respond. You might actually be able to just respond in the moment. But while you're learning these skills, the steps that I'm sharing with you, let's say you hear some resistance, which is fear. And in that moment, you could choose not to respond, but rather to take some time to process and prepare for a conversation. And these three steps that I just described help you prepare. Okay, now we move into coach behaviors. This is step four, which is stay in relationship to the person. Someone who is afraid needs you to demonstrate your care for them, even when their behavior seems off-putting. Think about when you taught children. Now, when children demonstrate fear, do you get mad at them? Or do you soften and let them know that you care about them? And even when their behavior is challenging, you let them know you're not going to give up on them. Adults are big kids. We have very similar emotional stuff going on. So let me get specific about how you can stay in relationship, how you can communicate to someone that you're going to stay in relationship with them. You can use active listening and paraphrasing. You can say something like, I'm hearing that you're having a hard time. I know this has been a rough semester. You can ask for more. You can say, would you be willing to say more about that? I really want to understand. You can state your commitment to the relationship. You can say something like, I really want to support you. Can you help me understand what support might look like or sound like for you? You can clarify your role or how you think about your role. You can say something like, I'm committed to helping you thrive, or I care about you, and I want to figure out how I can best support you and our students. And finally, 
be persistent. Don't lose hope in your abilities. Stay in relationship to the other person. Just being kindly persistent communicates that you are willing to be in relationship with them, even when they are demonstrating behaviors that might be a little difficult to be around. So just remember, when many of us are afraid, we put up barriers. We appear defensive. We might be like, I don't need you. I've got this. If your response is to act like you're going to tear those barriers down, which is what I used to try to do when I encountered resistance in teachers, then that's going to make someone else feel even more afraid. So you can both communicate that you recognize that there's some fear and you can communicate that you're going to try to reach out and connect with them and bridge the gap. Let me tell you about step five, and then I'm going to give you some examples to give this some more life, some texture. So step five is to use the ACE coaching framework. So ACE is a framework that I created to coach emotions, and you can use it to coach any strong emotion. It is invaluable when it comes to coaching fear, which is what you're doing when you encounter what you first perceive as being resistance. And then you understand that it's just fear. So I talk about the ACE framework in episode 37, but I'm going to quickly tell you what ACE stands for. The A is for acknowledge and accept emotions. And it's in that part where you build awareness of emotions and you explore unmet core human needs. The C stands for cultivate compassion for the self and others. And the E stands for expand the story. And so this is a guide for when you are coaching someone to help them more deeply understand what's going on for them and to move through the emotions. If you are a coach or a leader and you've ever encountered anybody who has emotions, then this framework helps to guide you through how to respond and how to help the person move through them. And this is really what we teach in depth in our Art of Coaching Emotions workshop. And you can find out more about that in the show notes. But I'm just naming that to say that the ACE framework is something that requires a whole lot more than what I just shared with you to be able to use that. And it's super powerful. And you can use the ACE framework to respond to resistance. Okay, so that was a lot. I know that was an overview of the five steps. There is so much more to say about each of those steps. And these are things that you can do as a coach, as well as things that you as a coach need to believe and need to take up as a way of being. Compassion and curiosity are core transformational coach ways of being. So I do hope that you will tune in next week to hear more about the first three steps, but I'm going to give you some examples. Okay, so here you are. Let's say you are a coach in a school. You approach a teacher in the hallway during lunch and you say, hey, I hope everything's going well. Can I grab you for a second. I emailed you a couple of times and I know you're super busy, but I haven't heard back from you and I'm just not sure whether you got the email. And the teacher says, yeah, I saw it, but I figured I didn't need to respond if I don't want to meet. I mean, I know you're just reaching out because you've been told by admin that you have to work with me. So let's say you say, 
Well, I'd love for us to meet so I can support you. And then the teacher says, I'm good. If I need help, I'll ask Mrs. Y. And the teacher walks away. All right. So the first thing here is to shift your interpretation of the teacher's behavior and not label it as resistance. Yes, those kind of behaviors might seem like resistance, but those behaviors are an expression of fear. So let's explore this. What do you think this teacher might be afraid of? Which of her core human needs might feel like it's at risk? My guess would be her need for autonomy and perhaps competence as well. Clearly, she's being asked to do something she doesn't want to do and that she feels is being imposed by admin. And like all of us, she wants to be seen as competent. So, you know, the implication in so many schools is that if a teacher is told they have to work with a coach, they are failing. They're not doing well. They're incompetent in some way. So let's explore using the five steps. So step one, check in with your own fear. In the past, when someone treated me like this, when a teacher did this to me, which they did, I took it as rejection. The fear that came up for me was about not belonging, about lack of connection, but also about my competence because I wanted to be seen as a good coach. And when this person behaved like this, it made me feel like I wasn't a good coach, like they didn't want to have a relationship with me because I was a bad coach. Those were my core human needs that felt like they were vulnerable. We human beings were very reactive, which means someone else's behavior, like when they express emotions, it activates something in us, our fears, and then we react. And it's like this snowball. Okay, step two, activate compassion. So after taking step one, checking with my own fear, my own compassion has started to spark a bit. Because I'm feeling like, yeah, I've got these core human needs. I feel a little more humble. And that actually allows me to shift into this teacher's shoes and to think about how I might feel if I felt like, yeah, admin is saying this coach has to work with me. I'd feel kind of, you know, I'd feel, I'd feel embarrassed. I'd feel sad. I'd feel scared. Step three activate curiosity. So I'm already starting to wonder what's going on for this teacher. Am I onto something? Am I off base? And I ask myself these questions. I wonder what she might be feeling. I wonder what she really needs from me. And just asking those kind of further activates my compassion and my curiosity. Okay, so step four, stay in relationship. And here's where I take action. So after school, I go down to her room and I say, hey, I think there's been some confusion or maybe some miscommunication. Can we just talk for a few minutes so we can get this cleared up? I'm really curious about the statement you made that I'm just reaching out to you because I've been told my admin that I have to work with you. I'm really curious where that's coming from. And then I would listen and listen. And I might say, tell me more about that. And after a little while, I might feel like the teacher is 
willing to maybe listen to me if I want to share how I think about what coaching is. I might say something like, would you be open to hearing me describe how I think about my role as a coach? And then I might be able to clear up some misunderstanding or provide information that should have been shared with the teacher earlier. That's what I would do in this step to stay in relationship with this teacher. And then step five, use ACE. Here's what this could sound like here. Maybe the teacher said something like, I'm doing fine. I don't know why admin assigned you to coach me. There's so many new teachers who are struggling. You should be working with them. I've been here for 15 years. The kids love me. This is a waste of your time coaching me. If you were to use the ACE framework, your first response might be saying something like, thank you for sharing that. I actually really appreciate that. I really hear your frustration and I get this must feel really confusing and unfair. In saying that, you are acknowledging and accepting her emotions. You're not pushing back. You're not telling her wrong. You're not getting defensive. You're not starting to engage in an argument. You're just saying, I hear that. This must feel confusing. Now, when strong emotions like fear and anger are expressed, you often have to do a bit of coaching around this A component, the acknowledge and accept emotions, before you move farther along. But sometimes just doing that, just the acknowledging and accepting, creates a whole lot of space to help someone move through their fear that is showing up as resistance. Let me give you another example. This will be a shorter one. Let's say you're coaching a teacher and you say, Hey, last week I was in your room and I observed this interaction between you and Miguel that I'd like to unpack. Would you be open to doing that? And the teacher says, look, I know what you are talking about, but you don't know what Miguel is like to deal with every day. He's a bully and he's constantly disrupting class and I'm just so sick of dealing with him. I would just really appreciate it if you could get our principal to follow through with that so-called classroom management plan that he introduced this year. Because every time I send a kid to the office, they're back in like five minutes with this big smile on their face. So no, I don't feel like talking about that interaction with Miguel. Okay, so you hear that and you know that this is not resistance, it's fear. You take a deep breath. And you move through those first three steps in your mind internally because you've practiced them so much. You acknowledge your fear that's arising, which is like, I want to be a good coach and this is an equity issue I need to address and I'm afraid I'm not going to figure out how to do this. Then you activate your compassion and your curiosity because you say, I hear fear. I know fear. And you remember you care about this teacher. And so maybe you say, Thanks for letting me know that this brings up a lot from you. I'm hearing frustration. Am I getting that right? Is there anything else you want me to know about what this is bringing up for you? Or you could say, it sounds like you're feeling disempowered and you need some support in dealing with the situation. Am I getting that right? Or you could say, thanks for sharing that. I wasn't aware that you've been having such a hard time with Miguel. I'd love to help you think through what might be done. And so in those three examples I just gave you, you are not agreeing with the teacher's interpretation of what's happening. You're not saying to the teacher, oh, yeah, you're right. Miguel's a problem. It's just the principal who needs to deal with it. 
you're not saying that the teacher doesn't need to be reflective or look at their own teaching practice. You're just acknowledging what you hear. And that is a reflection of step four of staying in relationship with the person. It's also the beginning of step five of acknowledging the emotions. Doing that opens the way for coaching because that teacher might have been expecting you to respond defensively or to reject them. Let me give you one more example. Let's say you sit down with a teacher that you coach and he had agreed to bring student work to talk about this week. But then he sits there and he says, I know you want to talk about how students are progressing on their writing goals, but my students are doing fine. And I really just want to talk about next month's field trip. So I didn't bring any student work. And quickly you think to yourself, fear, I wonder what he's afraid of. And you're feeling clear and grounded in that moment. You look at him, you see his potential as a teacher because you are a transformational coach and you have cultivated this disposition and you see people's potential all the time. And you say, I'm hearing we've got some differences of opinion on what's most important to focus on right now. Tell me more about your needs to talk about the field trip. I want to understand. And maybe after he explains, you say, I'm really glad to hear that your students are doing fine in writing. How about if we talk about that for half the time we have together? Because I'd love to hear more. Maybe you say, I'm curious about what comes up for you when you consider that some students might struggle with writing. Would you be willing to dig into that a little bit? Maybe you say, I'm kind of wondering if I hear some frustration with this focus we have on writing. Can we talk about that a little bit? And you ask these questions because you don't take his actions personally. The fact that he didn't bring student work, you don't take it personally. You know that there is some fear present because you know that there is just a tremendous amount of fear in human beings. And that fear is heightened when we work in hierarchical organizations. There is a lot of fear in the world right now. And you suspect that some of the fear might be about his core human needs for competence and autonomy. And you know that the only way to get through this fear is to stay in relationship with him. And you can only do that if your compassion and your curiosity is activated. And you are committed to doing that because you are committed to children and because you also know that you too have experienced fear and you've probably appeared resistant before. And also, you know that you can do this because you have confidence in your competence. So you stay in relationship and you ask questions that come from curiosity and compassion And you stay in relationship and you are persistent and you use all your coaching strategies. You use the ACE coaching framework and you use facilitative coaching strategies. You use everything you've learned about transformational coaching to dig deeper and to be with this person who is just afraid. Okay, I hope everything I've shared to this point has been helpful and thought-provoking for you. And I want to explicitly name that my goal isn't just to give you something to think about. It is also to support you in changing your practice. 
So listening to a podcast is a learning activity, but it is a passive learning activity. Passive learning experiences need to be paired with active learning experiences in order to close the knowing-doing gap. That means you need to take what you're hearing about here and try it out. So here's a practice exercise for you today. When you encounter fear or what you perceive as resistance, ask a simple question that truly comes from curiosity. This could be something like, would you be willing to say more about that? Or I'm curious if there's some fear for you around doing this. Or even, hey, I want to know you better. I want to support you. Can we talk about what that might look like? All right. As a simple practice exercise, just see what comes out of your mouth if you are trying to source those statements, those questions from curiosity and compassion. I want to remind you that this is the first in a three-part series. Next week, you'll hear a conversation that I had with my teammate, Nick Keynes, about how to prepare to coach resistance. And then in week three, you'll hear me demonstrate coaching a resistant teacher. Friends, if you found this episode helpful, I want to ask you to share it with someone else who also might find it helpful because everyone loves a good recommendation and helps the podcast get out there. I also want to ask you to consider becoming a friend of the show. We are in the midst of a campaign to get 400 friends of the show in the month of January 2023. And that's because this podcast takes a lot of time and resources to create it. We want to bring it to you ad-free. And we need to ask for your support. For $5 a month, you can support this podcast. And in the show notes, you'll find a link to do this. And thank you in advance to all of you who right now are going and clicking on that link. Okay, check out the show notes for some resources for this episode. And I can't wait to hear how this lands with you. All right, friends, the Bright Morning Podcast is produced by Leslie Bickford and Stacy Goodman does the sound engineering. And without them, you would not be listening to this podcast right now. Take care, everyone. I'll be back next week. 